From somewhere in Northeast Indiana, Mike Davidson lives. And now your host of the podcast, Mike Davidson. Never fails. Take a day off. You're looking forward to relaxing, unwinding, de-stressing. At least I do, and I wake up with a horrible headache. Hell yes, Mr. Robert. Thank you very much. It's me, Mike. Mike Davidson lives his name of the podcast. Thanks for dialing it up and downloading and all that junk. Glad to have you aboard for the next half hour. Plenty to get to, but yeah, uh, Friday morning, uh, recording this late Saturday. Uh, I, well, Thursday night I get off work. No, I, I'm off Friday. I took it off for my daughter's birthday. More than that here in a minute. Um, I was feeling kind of sluggish, and I was just like, well, you know what? I need sleep. I woke up Friday, and my head was just pounding. No beverages the night before. No no adult libations, mind you. I was just I just felt like crap. It was like right in the center of my head, like somebody took a bat to it and whack. And oh my god. Uh had to do the uh Tylenol thing, the ice pack thing, uh pillow under my head, blanket, laid on the recliner for about an hour, glass of water, a couple cups, of coffee in case it was caffeine withdrawal. Uh, it eventually went away, and I felt a hell of a lot better. But for an hour, just crippling bad. But I tell you what, and i got to be honest here, uh, this whole past month, and my wife noticed it, uh, I, I, I guess I've been in a funk, right? Um, and she says it was, uh, she thinks it might be seasonal affective disorder, something like that, where if the, you don't see the sun for a while... You just, you have a gloomier disposition. And I didn't really think much of it until Thursday when we actually had a sunny day here in Indiana. And I was like, holy shit, she was right, because I felt a lot better. And when the headache went away Friday, I felt well as well. I mean, we had a little bit of sun in the morning, got cloudy in the afternoon. But hell, it was enough for me to, you know, just feel a little more energized. I was doing some research on this. Uh, and I guess here in Fort Wayne, uh, we've had at least 25 days in the month of January where they were all cloudy. Like, and we had less sunshine possible than the city of Seattle. <laughs> and Seattle is known to be on the gloomy, cloudy side of things. So, yeah, there's something to it. Don't ever take uh, advantage of that sun. Next time you see it, I know it's impossible to hug it, but, you know, do what you can emotionally to, t- you know, just take it in. Um, not sure what the forecast is tomorrow because, uh, quite frankly, I didn't get that far in my research. I was just looking up, hey, how cloudy was it these last 30 days? So, yeah, today, uh, February 2nd, uh, recording this February 3rd, but Friday, my daughter turned five. Hazel, happy birthday. We had a cupcake cake, a cake made out of cupcakes. Uh, she's into Miraculous, uh, this uh, young girl superhero sh- show. So she got a couple of dolls for, uh, from that show. And she loves Little Mermaid, so she obviously got some mermaids. And then uh, this Friday night, she had a school play, and uh, she had a couple speaking lines. And to know Hazy, she talks really soft, really quiet. Sometimes it's kind of hard to understand her. But when she got up to the microphone, she goes, I have an idea. And it's like you could hear her a lot more clearer than some of her more vocal classmates. Um, but the the thrust of the play was they were looking for Bigfoot, and it was it was a fun little thing. Uh, Lana did this last year, and I went to it, but I didn't get a chance to see it because Logan at the time uh, was squirmy and whiny, and I had to take him out to the car. He stayed with Grandma tonight, so I got to see Hazy do that. 
By the way, I am worried about Logan. I'll tell you why. Uh, because he turns three here in a few months. And, you know, he's still toddling. He's still toddling the toddler's walk. I saw the story out of Australia where uh, this father had to get the cops to get his son, his three-year-old son, out of the frigging claw machine someplace. You know, where you know, the little claw machine where you can work it to get stuffed animals. Boy wanted to bypass the whole thing and save his dad a couple of bucks and quarters. <laughs> And climbed right on in to get a stuffed animal. Couldn't get out. So, yeah, they had to get first responders to, pour, uh, to pull the boy out. Logan climbs up on counters and climbs into fridges and uses chairs and stuff. Like, this dude, very resourceful. Very resourceful. This kid did this as he's three. Logan's not quite three yet. Um, I'm hoping sooner or later common sense catches up with the boy. That might happen when he's, you know, 35. All right, uh, this this saddened the hell out of me. R.I.P. Carl Weathers, man. Holy God, 76 years old. Pretty decent length of life there, but still, it sucks that he's passed. Uh, best known, I think, you know, he was, he was originally an NFL player. I think he was linebacker for the uh, then Oakland Raiders. Best known as Apollo Creed from uh, the first three Rocky movies. No, he was in four. It was, yeah, in Rocky, he took on Rocky 1. Rocky 2, Rocky 1. Rocky 3, he trained him to beat Mr. T. And then Rocky 4, Apollo dies at the hands of Ivan Drago. So he's in four um, Rocky movies. He was also in Predator. Great movie. He was also in Happy Gilmore. Uh, he was in The Mandalorian, which I enjoyed the first two seasons of. Season 3, let's not talk about. And uh, he was also in... Arrested Development kind of poking fun at himself. 76 years old. I brought this up with my mother-in-law. She goes, well, who's that? And I had to explain. Well, no, she, he's, he's Apollo Creed. Who? Oh, my God. Um, but, yeah, just, you know, a nice body of work. And, uh, you know, a great character actor. A lot, of, And a lot of people miss him. I mean, he's getting, uh, uh, yeah, I, I guess, uh, tributes from the likes of Adam Sandler and everybody that, and uh, Pedro Pascal. Sylvester Stallone put one out where he was uh, standing in front of a painting of him and Apollo Creed. Uh, him and uh, Carl Weathers in their respective roles. And he is very gracious to have known Carl Weathers and was very thankful for him uh, and his help in the Rocky movies. And that's, and that's the thing I've noticed about Sylvester Stallone. Uh, when Brian Dennehy died, himself a pretty good character actor... Uh, Sylvester Stallone talked about how on the set of First Blood, the first Rambo movie, uh, you know, you, Denny, he's the villain in this movie. He's the bad cop that gives uh, John Rambo shit. Um, but behind the scenes, he talked about what a gracious actor, a gracious guy Brian was and how much he taught him behind the scenes. And he was uh, very thankful for the experience. And it's just like, you know, we need more guys like Sylvester Stallone. And we definitely need more guys like Carl Weathers because he was just, he was a lot of fun to watch on screen. Um, by the way, on the Facebook page, on the Mike Davidson Facebook page, um, uh, this weekend, uh, NHL All-Star Game, I think that's uh, Saturday afternoon, and the Pro Football Flag of Palooza, Flag Football, Pro Bowl, whatever, whatever they replace the actual Pro Bowl with, because it was worthless, that's happening this weekend, asking the question, uh, whether or not All-Star Games are of any value or not, if you want to vote on that, that's great. Although this is this is a uh, a lesson on uh, Facebook algorithms and uh, why they kind of hold you back a little bit if uh, if you're not paying to be verified. 
uh, because I've only gotten like a dozen votes so far, and I think, I don't like talking about social media numbers, but I think I'm like under 9,000 now, and that's not a bad number, I mean, it's not like super star numbers, but you think maybe I'd clear a little more than one or two votes per thousand of uh, followers, but that's just me. Uh, if you want to give that a vote, you can. If you want to comment, by all means do so. That's what the page is for. Again, that's uh, running up through, I think, sometime Sunday afternoon. Okay, William Shatner is, uh, he will forever be Captain Kirk. Uh, he is the OG Star Trek guy. And, uh, he recently said, uh, he was talking about, uh, somebody was asking about this. I guess there's like this uh, toolkit the European Union put out for uh, labeling, uh, like like putting gender warnings on various pieces of media, like Star Trek, that, uh, that old alt-right, right-wing conspiracy show of the 60s, uh, that one, yeah. And uh, how, like, uh, they say, where William Shatner basically says, where no man has gone before, that, of course, is now evil. And he goes, well, I mean, we're going to be doing this with other documents, such as uh, the Magna Carta and uh, the U.S. Constitution and the like. And he goes, it was a product of its time, and you can't keep going back and erasing things that are products of their time. If you want to do something different, go do something different. He's absolutely right. I mean, the next generation, I think, changed the line uh, to go where no one has gone before. And it's a slight tweak. It doesn't come off as obnoxiously woke. But then again, we weren't thinking about that crap uh, back in the late 80s, early 90s. But William Shatner's right. I mean, just people are just hand-wringing over things for the sake of hand-wringing. And it brings up... Um, well, actually, I want to hold off on this comment. Because uh, I want to talk about what Christopher Nolan said first. Uh, you know, of course, he's out doing the pressers for um, uh, for Oppenheimer. Ward season circuit stuff. And, uh, you know, Oppenheimer is getting its fair share of love from uh, th critics. And, of course, the award circles. Uh, the big one being the Oscars. Uh, you know, and if, if that award show wants to get one thing freaking right, uh, you know, give that give that movie as much gold as you can because it was very well done. Uh, he was talking about how he's optimistic of uh, post-IP Hollywood, IP standing for intellectual property. He's saying, uh, you, know, it look, you know, it looks like original material can be done. And, you know, he did it with Oppenheimer. But it's, all, it's also a historical biopic. And uh, you got something to build off of. Um, but, I mean, if there's a guy that can do it, it's it's Nolan. I mean, he did it with Inception. He, he, he created that thing and did it just after uh, The Dark Knight. And he was very successful with the Batman franchise as well. So he can do original and he can do things respectfully to fan bases, for fan bases. But I'm not sure um, if Hollywood's got it quite right yet. It, actually, I don't think they have at all because uh, John Nolte... On uh, Twitter X, you know, he, he works for Breitbart. I know that's a little bit right-leaning, but he's he's got a point here. In the last 20 or 30 years, our pop culture has just sucked. And he, he kind of talks about how everybody's on uh, going on about Taylor Swift. And he does give her kudos for being an icon, but that's basically the only big name from music or TV or movies that's become iconic. And he just says, we're, we're just stuck in this uh, dredge of, um, uh, I don't know what the exact quote is, but uh, nostalgic malaise. 
if I'm to paraphrase. Like, we're just stuck in the past, and we're just beating the past with a dead stick, or a stick, like it's a dead horse. You know what I mean. He's not wrong. Um, and, again, it kind of goes back to what Shatter was saying about uh, hand-wringing about things like, oh, he, they said where no man has gone before. Or what David Chase said, I made this mention a couple podcasts back about how like it's harder and harder to do smart TV now because everybody wants things to be dumbed down. You don't respect the audience. The audience is going to find something else to enter, uh, entertain themselves with. And that's why a lot of Hollywood and television and music in general just isn't finding the same audience it once did. Joe Rogan, by the way, not having that problem. And the fact that this pisses off so many people uh, just warms my heart, actually. Uh, he has recently re-upped his, um, his contract with Spotify, uh, $250 million, so he's getting paid. And plus, this is the kicker. He doesn't have to be exclusive to Spotify anymore. He can, like, if Apple's iTunes store or whatever wants to carry the show, it's available there. YouTube. It's available there. So he's getting paid by Spotify and he's, you know, once again branching out and expanding to his fan base. This coming off the heels of Sports Illustrated, basically 86 in the bulk of their staff, the writer staff, and the LA Times gutting its staff. And it just kind of shows you, again, how much of the media is dead. Whereas, you know, they, they've been, you know, just lambasting Joe Rogan pillaring him for some of his uh, stances. He, you know, and I don't agree with everything he says, but you know what? It's his show. He's got the freedom of speech, and he's found his fan base, and as far as I know, he hasn't killed anybody. Uh, you know, he has not pandered. He's done what he's done, and he's been successful. And you have these scolds that have written for uh, things like Los Angeles Times or Sports Illustrated, or have done television here or there, and they, they tell you what society should be instead of listening to um, to their audience, and they're finding themselves out of a job. Weird that. So kudos to him. Kudos to Larry David, by the way. And again, I'm going to build off the, the this, uh, this whole media rant here. Uh, he got in trouble, I guess. This happened Thursday. This is the, by the way, when you go, when you're on your lunch break, like me, you know, I go on my lunch break. I, I go and I look at my phone. I'm looking at, you know, newsfeed stuff. You know, things talked about for the podcast and everything. I never thought in a million years I would see a headline about the creator of Seinfeld, the co-creator of Seinfeld, punching out a Muppet on the Today Show. But here we are. I guess uh, uh, Elmo earlier in the week tweeted out, and by him, I mean, you know, the, the handlers at Sesame Street because he's just a piece of felt. Uh, so, how are we feeling out there? And a lot of people let their anxiety out on Twitter X to this Muppet. And so, I guess that's why he was on the, the Today Show with uh, this other Muppet. And Larry David was on there before. And, of course, after, after all that, um, okay, we're going to cut to Al Roker for the weather. And as he's doing it, everybody's like, whoa, 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 what's going on? Larry David's back on the stage pretending to choke and punch this Muppet to the horror of, uh, of these newscasters. <laughs> and uh, it, it's the damnedest thing. And, of course, he's kind of forced into apology. By the way, he has uh, recanted that apology. He says he would do it again. 
Because it's it's uh, the co-creator Seinfeld, the guy that did Curb Your Enthusiasm and all that stuff. But these these news reporters are, are just aghast, and all these people are aghast because how could you do this on a show that some stay-at-home moms make their kids watch? I mean, ask you right now, point blank. A kid who's a Sesame Street fan wants to see Elmo. Uh, what are they asking mommy for? The TV remote to... Uh, to see the Today Show, or do you think they're watching it on Sesame Street? You know, the show that Elmo stars on. Um, and that's kind of the, uh, the state of journalism in uh, 2024. It's, I mean, this is why a lot of people reject uh, the celebrity courtings and marriages out there that we're told to like, or the presidential candidates we're told to like, or, you know, uh, the latest trends we're told to like, because these people take themselves way too damn seriously. They're august that uh, Larry David, the, a, a guy they've been propping up for years, saying, "Oh, he's a comedic genius for you know helping launch Seinfeld and curb your enthusiasm." It's funny. They're they're perplexed that a guy who plays himself on a TV show would act like himself on another TV show. Uh, he goes out there and he starts fake smacking a puppet, and there are people on social media that can't believe it. They're just shocked, dismayed. I mean. I have three kids in my house, six, five, soon to be three. They throw their toys all the time. They throw stuffed animals all the time. Um, to, to see a grown man smack uh, a, a puppeteer's hand, not necessarily the, the crisis they're making it out to be at all. Yeah, you know, And again, this is a, a lesson here. If you have the day off, like I did today, you don't watch the Today Show. You don't watch television. You go do something else. I had other things to do. Uh, you know, I had books to read. I had, uh, I didn't read all those books. I just I read a book. Um, you know, you took my uh, son out to go get stuff fixed. I uh, picked up my girls from school. Uh, you, you, you just stay away from daytime television. All right, an actual crisis in the making. And I kind of predicted this a little bit last podcast about Vince McMahon, damn it. Uh, he's in a bit of hot water. He's had to leave uh, uh, the board after uh, the board at WWE, now owned by TKO, I think. Uh, you know, they just just after the uh, signing that deal with Netflix, uh, the employee that he paid hush hush money is uh, filing suit against him and somebody else over sexual uh, sex yes yeah, sexual trafficking charges, sexual abuse charges, pretty serious stuff, and some of the stuff alleged in uh, her charges. Oh boy, uh, you you can go Google those and um, hopefully not eat while reading them because it is pretty uh, uh, disgusting and terrible. Um, but now the feds are investigating him on uh, these charges and maybe some other ones. And I and I said this before: if you are alleged to be sexually trafficking one woman, you're not doing it with just one woman. This is a guy again in a company that travels uh, across the country, into Canada, around the globe. They are a brand. They are a business. He is a guy of power, and he would be looking to do that. And if you make enough money, you can make things quiet for a while. And, you know, for, for all those people that, um, again, with Jeffrey Epstein, I mean, there are some things on the Internet that are blown out of proportion, true. You can't trust everything that's out on the internet, but there's definitely a conspiracy with that dude, and he definitely uh, did favors for people in power. We just don't know the extent of it. Everything is just a, a guessing game. But 
you know, when people talk about all these conspiracy theories with Jeffrey Epstein, you look at what's being um, alleged with Vince McMahon right now and how there could be more trouble on the way for this dude. Of course, people are going to look at things that Jeffrey Epstein stands accused of and go, well, what else did he do? And you're going to kind of cock your eyebrows at other people of power and wonder the same shit. That's natural. That's natural. Um, but again, this is all alleged so far. It is the federal government investigating Vince McMahon, so I'll give him that. But it's not looking good for the dude. He's uh, kind of coming off as a little creepy. And I am using extreme understatement there. Extreme understatement. Statement. All right, so this story is uh, linked up on the Mike Davidson Facebook page. I got a couple stories here that I'm going to rant a little bit about for, uh, you know, calling it a podcast, calling it an episode. But Dinks, made mention of them uh, before. And and that's a hell of a thing to want to be called if you're a dual income, no kids couple. You just call yourselves Dinks. It doesn't, it doesn't sound flattering, does it? But there are these people that uh, rough on the fact that, uh, you know, each of them have jobs, they're together, and they have no kids for the time being. And, yeah, when you're younger, that stuff is uh, very appealing and all that stuff. But you know, a- after a while, wouldn't that wear on a person? But you would think, okay, if you are dinks and you have a little more free income than other people. Maybe, just maybe, you'd be a little more responsible with your money. That's not the case with all dinks. So the story, uh, this couple out of Seattle, Washington, both in the tech sector, a guy and gal, very successful, they have jobs. They're paying a mortgage on an apartment, which, okay, wouldn't that be a condo? Not sure how that would be an apartment, and usually it's just rent. Uh, But they're, you know, they're paying for this, right? And um, they have no car. They have no kids. They're dinks. Uh, and they're going to get married. Uh, but they found out the hard way they were spending too much money because they were trying to plan for their $20,000 wedding upcoming. $20,000 for a wedding. That's your first problem right there. If you're spending $5,000 for a wedding, I would say you're paying a little too much. But then again, weddings are expensive. But 20000 man... That's uh that's a minimum wage starting out for some people. You're you're basically blowing some uh some kids first job income a part-time job income nowadays out the window on one day. You, you just think if you did that for a fraction of that and put the money uh, elsewhere, but uh, I digress. But uh they realized they were blowing all this money on uh $60 uh, meals, you know, going out to restaurants. Uh, gym memberships that were really expensive. Manicures and pedicures for both the guy and the gal. Yeah. This is, um, it, it reminds me of that uh, scene in The Jerk where Steve Martin strikes it rich and he's writing back home to mom and dad and talking about how, you remember how I wanted a disco ball in the dining room when I was growing up? Well, and he's talking about all these uh, weird out there things uh, that he now has in his mega mansion after, mansion after striking it rich, and it's because no kid ever thinks about that. And I think that's kind of the problem with thinks. There is no structure in place, no real goal in place for some of these couples. They just think, oh, well, we'll just go out and have a bunch of vacations. We'll go out, go out and eat a bunch of expensive dinners. No big deal. It's just you and me, babe. 
Yeah, until it's not just you and them, if you choose to have kids. Um, but you're spending all this money, you could be putting away to other things, like you could actually buy a car, you could actually live out in the suburbs, away from uh, urban sprawl. You could be out in the country, you could be elsewhere, but you're spending all this money on all this stuff. Now, the book that I'm currently reading, it's a reread, actually, I haven't read it for a while, but... Uh, the classic story, Ben-Hur, Lou Wallace. I uh, have, I think, four adaptations, at least on screen. Uh, the most notable, the 1959 version with uh, Charlton Heston. Great movie. Great movie. Uh, but uh, book and movie are a little different, and uh, he's in Antioch after he returns from Rome in the book. And there's a place called Daphne. And this is where all the... You know, and you have to keep in mind that Judah Ben-Hur is, of course, Jewish... And uh, there are a lot of laws and traditions with being Jewish. And there's an uh, an obligation to family. There's an obligation to duty. There's, you know, responsibility. That is what you're taught. Um, the Romans and the Greeks, uh, Antioch has uh, a bit of a, a Greek ancestry thing to it. And the Romans are kind of like, yeah, God's, yeah, we got a bunch of them. We don't need, we have more than one. We're, we're cool or something. But basically, it's kind of the hippie beatnik thing, where if it feels good, do it. And that's what uh, the gardens of Daphne are like, because like you have all these people without responsibilities out there, young lovers, lying under trees. I'll leave that to the uh, your imagination. And uh, Judah's kind of repulsed by it, because there's just no structure to it. There's just, you, you don't grow up, you don't leave. And it's it's kind of it kind of uh, contrasts with this character who's on a mission of his own to uh, younger people who don't think too far ahead. They're just thinking about living in the now. And I kind of and I kind of get the vibe from the dinks. I mean, yeah, th this couple is planning for a wedding, but they're just thinking about how extravagant and how great this one day is going to be. They're not really thinking past that one day. They're not thinking about, okay, how about a year from the wedding? Five years, 10, 20, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They're kind of caught in the now. And they're kind of caught up in the fact that they have all this money and they need to spend it now. Uh, but if you want to see their story, it is up on the Mike Davidson Facebook page. Very interesting stuff. Oregon, by the way, they decriminalized a bunch of drugs not too long ago. You're not going to go to jail um, if you're doing heroin, if you're uh, you know doing meth or any of that stuff. They now have a public health crisis for the city of Portland, I believe, because all that stuff is still out of control. Just after uh, legalizing it, they, they thought, okay, well, you know, if there's no public shaming, that's fine. We're not crowding our jails. That's fine. We can actually help people beat addiction and recovery. And they actually list a, uh, one case where it worked and a woman is clean and sober, you know, and good for her. And I'm being serious here. Good for her for kicking it. Um, but the problem here is a lot of people aren't getting clean and sober. And the first step to recovery is, as generic as it sounds, is you have to admit you have a problem. And a lot of people can't do that. And now you have consequence-free drug abuse, really. And by consequence, I mean legal consequence. There's no uh, danger of going to jail or losing your, or you know, losing your job or anything like that. Uh, now it's just like if it feels good, do it. 
Uh-huh. And uh, they're kind of reaping the whirlwind of that. And it's scary stuff, too. And, and you know, look, I don't want to say that every drug abuser, anybody who's caught in the, in the throes of addiction is a danger, uh, but they can be. And there are some people that are at risk of this, you know, family members, kids, uh, you know, if anybody gets behind the wheel high off some of this shit. I mean, it's uh, it's kind of scary what's going on over there. And this is not any, and this is not something that just a, a left coast city is experiencing. I mean, even here in Fort Wayne, where you know, okay, we do have those laws in effect where okay, if you get caught with something, you go to jail. But there are people, and you know they they're becoming a little more obvious in their usage of this stuff. Oregon thought to legalize it, it would make things better. It has not, and it won't get better. All right, I think I'll wrap it up with uh, this lighthearted tale out of Canada. Um, they uh, this has gone viral. A few days ago, they had some problems where uh, they had to close the store early. And these were unforeseen circumstances. Well, there's a bit of a typo um, with with the sign that they posted. They were closed, apparently, due to unforeseen circumcisions. A little bit different than circumstances. Well, if you had an unforeseen circumcision, that would be a circumstance, I would guess. But that just goes to show you, you can get a little too close to pizza cutters. Now, they have, seriously, uh, had a little fun with that, saying, hey, you know, we got this deal where you can get this pizza for like five bucks. Hey, no tip included. Uh, But when you get a circumcision, it's not necessarily the tip that gets removed. It's, um, well, I don't know if there's a really easy way to to explain it. Maybe this is something you uh, should Google at work on Monday morning. That all said and done. You've been listening to Mike Davidson Live. Be sure to check him out on social media. Like him at facebook.com backslash mdavidsonlives. Follow him on Twitter. Look for at Davidson Live.